It's kind of like a farmer sprinkling seeds on concrete. Some of it might get through. There might be a crack in that concrete and something might grow. But what ends up growing is almost random. It's not necessarily directed towards your aims or where you want to go with that business. What TCX is, is a course to actually till the fields and cultivate the soil. So now you're growing the things that you want to grow when you want to grow them. And it's just a much more effective way to go about them. Helping people build ambitious and satisfying careers, businesses, and lives. This is the Influence Ecology Podcast. Now, here is your host, John Patterson. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I'm your host, John Patterson, the co-founder and CEO of Influence Ecology, the leading business education in transactional competence. Broadcasting from Ventura, California, this podcast features case studies, stories, and lessons from business owners, executives, and entrepreneurs who found real solutions, real results, and real satisfaction, not only with work, career, and money, but in every area of life. You'll hear how these ambitious professionals found that those who transact powerfully thrive. Sterling Hawkins grew up a fifth-generation retailer, having to master the intersection of human behavior and technology under extreme competition. In 2004, he co-founded, launched, and sold his first technology company, Convena, where he developed innovative approaches to beat competition, handle high growth, and achieve performance no matter the obstacles. He went on to be involved with the launch, growth, and investment in over 50 companies. Today, Sterling reviews over a 1,000 new technology companies every year, further refining the keys to realizing breakthrough innovation and giving back that experience as a mentor to leading entrepreneurs working through exponential growth. He is the co-founder of CART, a platform to drive adoption of emerging technologies at Fortune 500 companies. After he speaks and runs workshops around the world for clients such as Samsung, Criteo, Synchronicity Financial, and the United Nations. Sterling is an internationally recognized thought leader and top-rated keynote speaker on innovation, transformational leadership, and exponential growth. His keynotes share meaningful strategies to drive change, delivered with the inspiration to leave attendees in action. Currently living in Los Angeles, he's been seen in Inc. Magazine, Fast Company, The New York Times, and Forbes. Here's the interview. Sterling Hawkins, welcome to the Influence Ecology Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Thank you, Chad. It's great to be with you. Take a moment and introduce yourself. My name is Sterling Hawkins, and I speak and run workshops on innovation for some of the largest companies in the world, like Kraft Heinz and Procter & Gamble and Mitsubishi. Fantastic. And I look forward to talking with you today a lot about the innovation gap, which is a topic you're a specialist in. So we'll get to that in just a moment. But before we do, I'd like to give people a sense of your journey here at Influence Ecology, because like everyone, there's you know, the way that you thought before Influence Ecology, what you discovered <laughs> along the way, and how life is now. So just take us a little bit on that journey, if you will. How was it like before? And where are you now? Yeah, it, it is very interesting. It, it's almost like 
being in influence ecology has illuminated a dark room that I was stumbling around with a flashlight in, you know? Most of what I was doing prior to this was based on how I felt or what I now would call the current or what the general kind of narrative in the public marketplace is. And sometimes it worked, right? I was successful with some things. I founded and sold a company. I got into investment stuff, but a lot of things didn't. And when I ran into a problem with a family business I was in about three or four years ago, all of a sudden, my work started impacting other areas of my life where I didn't have much of a reserve and didn't build up much goodwill. So all of a sudden, my work is impacting, well, of course, my money, and then my state of mind, and then a lot of my relationships. And yeah, so it was this incredible epiphany to me when I got involved in influence ecology, because before that, I remember many moments sitting at my desk and just thinking like, I'm doing everything that the current is telling me to do, but I don't have positive results. What's wrong? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with my business? What's wrong with the marketplace? And coming into uh, the first course I did with Influence Ecology was, gosh, what was it, two or three years ago, John? I think so, yeah, already. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. time flies when you're having fun, but it was in that course that I started to see the room and I was in, I was like, wow. There's so much opportunity here. It just hasn't been distinguished. I haven't had declared aims and I haven't had a clear path to get there, which seems obvious. But at the same time, I needed a structure to be able to do that. I want to take a minute and talk about the current for just a moment. So for our listeners who never don't know what that means, when we talk about the current here at Influence Ecology, what we mean is the culmination of the narratives that drive us, shape us, impact us. So. I love that you talk about walking into a room and uh, like illuminating the room for the first time. I think that that description has been used five or six times about what we teach. But in any case, the current is it grabs you a bit. It's why we use the term the current, because we get swept up in it. And so people hear things. Oh, that's a tactic I should try. They hear. Oh, I should try that approach to marketing. I hear that that's good. Or I've heard this author talk about X or Y. Or it seems like everyone's talking about this right now. That must have some merit or some value or it must be good or it must be something I should try. And so people do. And then they find out many of those strategies or tactics were quite (laughs) useful and effective in a particular situation for a specific offer, you know, and so forth and so on. So anything else you want to add to that? It's very alluring, right? Because the current makes you very smart. At least it seems like you're smart. You know, it seems like, well, I need to have an online course or I need to have a podcast or I need to market on social media or speak in a certain way. And so it gives you all these tidbits, which you said it, can work very well, but there's a lot more depth to that that the current just doesn't give you. And sometimes the current will steer you wrong entirely, but that's something for later conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and you deal with the current a lot in what you teach and what you offer now. We'll get into that in just a moment, but there is the current of innovation. And for the general public, those not involved in technology, 
there's all kinds of buzzwords just to continue to illuminate the current event. There's all kinds of buzzwords. And what are some of the buzzwords that we now hear in the current of technology, for example? Well, innovation itself, I think, has become a bit of a buzzword. I mean, everybody from my neighbor to companies on Wall Street are talking about, well, we need to be innovative. We need innovation. And there's a lot of words that go with that. Artificial intelligence is a big one. Machine learning, drones, robotics, automation, all of these things, again, back to what we were saying, can have some real value. But you lose that value unless you have some very deep knowledge and directed practice to realize it. Now, when I talk about innovation, I'm talking about a significant positive change. Oftentimes, technology is a part of that although it doesn't have to be. So in working with some of our clients, they can see significant positive gains in some of their team performance or adoption of technology or the realization of the promise of some of these technologies that they're bringing in. So it is a different thing. And having distinguished that, it gives a little more power. That's great. So for your own journey, you you suddenly the lights are turned on in this room where, you know, maybe you had a flashlight and you could see that bits and pieces of something. And now the lights are on. <laughs> you can see clearly you can see clearly your aims. You can see clearly where perhaps you'd had some naivete or some conceit or just simply like many of us sort of swept up in the current. And so now what happens now? It starts to happen with your own work and career and so forth. Well, I had started to dig myself out of the hole I created a, a bit. I had gotten pretty heavily involved in speaking and speaking around the world for some major clients. And there was this extension of, well, if you're speaking, you should do workshops. That's an obvious add-on. And this is about where I, I started to do some work with influence ecology because that was the current telling me that, right? Oh, you speak, you need to have workshops, you need to do these other things. And Inside of the course, we actually had a chance, I had a chance to unpack, well, what does that workshop actually look like? What am I going to do? What breakdown, what problem am I going to solve for the client in a new and different way than things that are already out there? And when I first looked at it, I was like, oh, workshops, no problem, which to me, I was like, well, that means I need to speak for six or eight hours. I can do that. And in going through some of the really diligent practice around what's going to be in there, how is it going to be different? What does the content look like? Where do I want to leave people? And what's the result that I want to create? All of a sudden, not only have I articulated an aim for that, but I've created a framework and a structure that is really effective for clients that I wouldn't have done anything close to without some of the framework that Influence Ecology gave me. It's really great. All right. Now, before we get into that, because I do want to talk specifically about what you're now doing and what you're now offering. And by the way, for those that, that don't know of you or, or, or haven't met you yet or had the opportunity. So you're, I've seen you speak. I've seen some of your, your reels and, and some of your talks. I've listened to your TED talk and, and so forth. Fantastic speaker, powerful, charismatic, good looking, you know, all that. So you got all that going for you, right? So you got all that going for you and you start to go out and speak and you began to make a name for yourself around the topic of innovation. And I'd love to hear just a little bit about 
what begins to happen? You go out and you speak at the end of the talks. Do people approach you? Are you what's sort of tell us what happens as you begin to go out and speak and begin to make a name for yourself? Yeah, well, what I didn't mention is, you know, as I was in this down point in my life, I was incredibly, incredibly intimidated to speak to one person, especially on a stage in front of many people. That is just shocking to hear. I mean, I know you I, I heard about it, but just wait, ladies and gentlemen. If you see it, you'll be like, holy crap, go on. It, it was. I, and what I did was I, I just got this general conference invite email to a conference in Singapore. And it said, you know, spend $25 and come to our conference here. And here's all the things you're going to learn. And I remember my mom saying this thing when I was a kid. She said, the way out is through. And for whatever reason, the stars aligned. And I said, you know what? I'm afraid to speak here in front of me is this conference. So I hit the reply button and I wrote just a one sentence email. Why don't you have me speak at your conference? Best Sterling. Now, incredibly naive. I didn't know how the speaking world worked. I didn't know how people got hired. I didn't know how much they got paid. Uh, but, you know, as luck would have it, the conference organizer got back to me and he said, tell me a little bit about what you want to talk about. And I shared it with him. And, you know, at the end of the conversation, he said, well, I think you'd be a great fit. And I said this thing, which has served me well and many of our clients well, and I think can serve everybody well. And I said, well, what's your budget? And he gave me a number. And really not having anything to lose, I countered. And long story short, he ended up meeting me somewhere in the middle. I fly over to Singapore. I practiced the speech literally hundreds, if not thousands of times, right? It, it was really, really, I did it in front of my sister, my parents, friends, anybody that would listen to me. I was like, I just need to do this. I just need to practice this. And by the time I got up on the stage, I was still nervous. I may have even blacked out a little bit. <laughs> but it was so natural at that point that it was voted the best of the entire show. And that conference director put me in touch with all of his conference director friends. And, well, all of a sudden, that was kind of the beginning of my speaking career. That's a great story. That's fantastic. So then, for our listeners, let's get us a bit clearer on how Influence Ecology began to help you construct an offer. So for those who don't know, Influence Ecology is we're the leading business education and transactional competence. So that means that we help individuals, business owners, executives, and so forth construct transactions, offers that allow them to satisfy their aims. So for a small business owner, that might mean that we help you construct your actual business model. For someone who's working in a very large enterprise, that may mean that we help you construct the offer of help or value you are within that organization or enterprise. So for you, you're now beginning to construct the offer of help called Sterling Hawkins, you know, speaker extraordinaire. How do the programs of Influence Ecology help you to begin to construct what is now your offer? Yeah, well, I, I think in the beginning, it was, again, just me kind of stumbling around in that dark room with a flashlight. Oh, I did a good job. Now I have some other leads. I need to follow up with those. And it worked all right. But I was on a similar path to where I was before, just kind of stumbling around in that dark room. And 
in influence ecology, it gave me a chance to step back from it and look at, you know, as you said, all human interactions as a transaction. And each of these engagements that I've got is a transaction. And more so, I'm building a transaction for myself, which is, in fact, my business. At the time, it, it was just solely speaking. And all of a sudden, I could distinguish parts of how I was interacting with clients and how I wanted to interact with clients to move through that cycle faster, more efficiently, more effectively. Because when I can see, oh, well, here's a conversation, I'm in the contract mode. Here's the people that I want to be part of the conversation to contract. All of a sudden, I can move through that typically somewhat arduous process. That's where you get into the legal agreements much more efficiently than I was before. And now I'm in fulfillment and now I'm looking at satisfaction metrics. And it's a step-by-step process where I could articulate something, take myself out of it and actually work on it so I could grow it. That's great. Very good. All right. So as I understand it, I'm going to try to describe what you now do. And you tell me. Oh, great. You correct me. All right. (laughs) Fair enough. And I'm doing this because if I do it, I'll hopefully I'll say dumb it down or or simplify it or kindergarten it or whatever you want to call it. But so what you do is you go stand in front of large conferences where you talk about the breakdown that we all have around innovation and particularly in the retail market and that all kinds of people are dealing with the behemoth competitor, Amazon. And how do I get in the game of tech? Obviously, there are benefits to bringing tech to my company. And maybe it's robotics. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's that. So you go speak on that and naturally begin to point people towards a series of solutions. And people who are caught up in the current, who are probably offered all kinds of different ideas, they say, well, out of all of these, what do I do? How do I pick? Well, I could, as a, as, a, as a retailer, I could go shopping, you know, for all that. But instead, you bring all those people together in one environment, in one situation, give people the opportunity to, in some ways, experience much of that technology, sort of take stock of it, its value. You offer an environment where people get to sort of weigh in. All the people, all the decision makers, all in the room, all at one time, they get to weigh in and now sort of leave all of that with a solution or a set of solutions that you then help them implement. So that sort of describes the whole offer, right? Is that all right? Yeah, yeah, very well done. I, you know, the breakdown in the market that we've now really articulated is that a lot of these large companies, all of us to some degree, but especially large companies, suffer from this breakdown called the telephone game. And we all know the telephone game we played when we were kids, right? You whisper into the person's next to you ear and they go on down the line. And by the time it gets to the end, it's something else entirely. And that's really how businesses are adopting new technologies and tools. They send somebody, maybe a couple of people, to an incubator or a conference or a trade show. And then that person has to come back and explain to everybody else what they saw, what was interesting. And typically, those conversations don't go anywhere. They start to die out and possibility fades. 
And you're exactly right. So what we do is we solve for that by pre-vetting a whole bunch of solutions that are exactly the right fit for the host, be it Energizer, be it Kraft Heinz or anybody else. And so when we bring them there, we coach them and develop them to make sure they're telling their story and can speak accurately about what they're doing, the benefit they can provide, the breakdown that they're solving. And on the flip side, we've got all of the executives, all of the senior leadership from that host right there. So they're all listening to the same thing at the same time. We found that it cuts about 50% of the time out of decision-making, which is in retail, could be a year, could be two years, could be three years. But by having everybody in that conversation initially, it cuts about half that process down. Mm. So everybody wins. Mm. Well, that's great. So the um, all of these solution providers come together in a kind of market environment, if you will. Describe that just a little bit. Right. Well, it's almost like an incubator meets a personalized trade show for these larger organizations. So we're building them. We're accepting them into the program two, three months ahead of time. And then we support them in preparing, right? We start to give them some practice. We give them some idea of who they're going to see, who they're going to be in front of, how they can present, what they're going to talk about. And they can use each other as resources. So we built a bit of an ecology there so they can support each other. What I didn't mention, which is important to that, is they're non-competitive, right? So you're not sitting next to your competitor you're sitting next to an entirely different kind of solution. So we build that ecology where they can support and help each other. And so by the time they come in, they are very well prepared to speak to the problems, the needs that that large company has and do so in an engaging way. I mean, our programs, our workshops are long days. I mean, they can be six or eight hours sometimes, which to listen to somebody just standing in the room and drone on is deadly. We would lose everybody you know? and nobody could hear any possibility in what we were talking about. So by keeping the presentations lively, keep their storytelling, keep people very high energy, that possibility tends to permeate the whole space. And then we expand the ecology into everybody there. So they're all there to support each other. They're creating a larger goal versus just, hey, I'm trying to sell you something. If you'd like to know more about Influence Ecology and our approach, you can register for free 30-day guest access. During this time, you can test drive our interactive webinars, online learning system, and private mentorship. Program participation is by application only, and successful participants earn candidacy into our advanced program tiers. Our members are an international assembly of ambitious professionals, business leaders, and executives from a variety of countries, industries, and cultures. To find out more, you can find a link in the show notes for this podcast at influenceecology.com forward slash podcast. That's influenceecology.com forward slash podcast. Or in the U.S. or Canada, you can text the word ambition to 805-262-9008 and we'll send the registration link right to your mobile phone. Again, text the word ambition to 805-262-9008. Also in our show notes, you'll find all the links to websites, books, or special downloads mentioned in this podcast. There I am as the retailer. I'm there with all my executive team or all the decision makers and everything. And we get to experience lots of different solutions. I get to see them, hear them. The vendors get to tell their story. I get to ask lots of questions. And then me and all my 
peers on this executive team, for example, are now doing our due diligence. You know, we're rating things and and scoring things and sort of giving an opportunity to then take all of that data and you come and put all of that together in a kind of report. So tell me about that. That's right. So, you know, again, we've looked at that transaction cycle and applied it to this program. So the obvious conclusion after we run a program is, well, we need to look at satisfaction metrics. So you're right. All the executives that are there and all the solution executives, by the way, as well, fill out reports. What did they like? What did they not like? What worked? What didn't work? What questions do they have? And all of this gets compiled so you can now understand that workshop, both qualitatively and quantitatively. And you see some really interesting things, right? Some solutions everybody likes except one or two people. Other things, well, marketing loves, but operations hate. (laughs) And as an executive, you can really look at those things and then it starts to direct some of your action. Because if you see some of these solutions as the path forward, but nobody, to use operations as an example again, nobody in operations wants to move forward. Well, there's something to discover there. So all of a sudden, those metrics have called you into action to sit down with the operations team and say, well, why doesn't that work for you? And again, it helps speed that transaction process just because we've created a transaction out of this. All of a sudden, it's starting to drive behavior inside of the companies that we're working with, effective behavior. That's great. Really great. So then implementation, you and I are working on together a little bit, right? We are. We are. Yeah, this is one of my favorite things lately. There's two sides to innovation, right? We do a very effective program in terms of bringing the right solutions there and giving them a framework to start to move forward and implementing some of those things. But I look at innovation as a mountain with no top. You're never going to arrive like, oh, I've innovated and I'm done, right? It's really a path or a way of life or a way of business. So these programs that we do, we do them on a repetitive basis. So every six months, nine months, 12 months, we'll move forward with the next program once we've seen some of the results. But in doing so, we found a breakdown, right? A breakdown that a lot of these companies just were not overly effective in even piloting or rolling out some of these technologies, And the natural conclusion for many of them is, oh, well, our culture's just not right. You know, we need another six months. We need 12 months to move forward. And what that's doing is all of a sudden you're isolating yourself from the development, the growth that's happening in the marketplace. You're, in essence, in a way, being left behind because the pace of change, the pace of innovation, the pace of technology growth is growing faster today than it was yesterday. It'll be faster tomorrow than it is today. And so if companies continue to look at their culture, their ability to implement as static, then all of a sudden they move further and further behind. So there's this incredible opportunity there. And that's where the Influence Ecology course, TCX, that we put together, well, you put together and we've used it for this breakdown, comes into play. Because all of a sudden now businesses corporations have a framework to start to articulate their own transaction cycles and accelerate how fast, how efficiently, how smart 
they can move forward with some of these solutions. So all of a sudden, they're impacting their culture, which will drive their ability to consume innovation much, much faster. That's great. Want to ask me any questions about? <laughs> now, let's shift. You interview me about that for just a moment. So anything you want to ask me about how that all works? Yeah. Well, I mean, how does that work? If you have a lot of opportunities in front of you, and let's say the whole executive team is bought into that, how does TCX give you a framework to do anything better with it? So the entire program, it's an enterprise program. It's designed to offer a framework. I always like to think about it like, you know, we got to come around the same campfire, right? We got to, we have to meet somewhere. So how do we have a, a meeting of the minds, if you will, about this thing we're going to implement? So the program TCX, which is transactional competence across teams. We're driving teams towards a similar framework. So everybody's gathered around the same framework. A lot of the times in organizations, there are a variety of ways that people organize action. And how they organize action dictates the speed of that action. If they organize action top down, if they uh, do it bottom up, if they do it through a series of some sort of distinct frameworks. There's always something that's guiding and organizing the activity and the action of the enterprise. So we offer a framework and the framework is the transaction cycle, the narratives, personalities, the quadrants. There's a whole host of tools available in our framework. When we introduce people to the framework, it's a bit like magic because what people begin to see and say and report is that this framework is so simple to apply and so relevant to almost every situation that they can see that it's been missing, just completely missing. They start to implement it, things speed up, things accelerate. There's a way for people to start to see where there are values or opportunities that have been missing that can now be really exploited. There are costs associated with the, the way that they've been doing business that can now be eliminated. So the whole transaction speeds up. It goes very, very quickly. And you end up with uh, an implementation time that might normally be six months and it's now two. Or it might normally be 18 months and now it's six. You know, So it really accelerates that kind of activity. And for the innovation gap, which I'm going to have you go back to in just a moment, it allows people the opportunity not to be left behind. That's right. And I love your analogy, absolutely love your analogy of sprinkling seeds, right? And we talk about cultures or companies looking at all of the opportunities that are out there. And it's kind of like a farmer sprinkling seeds on concrete. Some of it might get through. There might be a crack in that concrete and something might grow. But what ends up growing is almost random. It's not necessarily directed towards your aims or where you want to go with that business. What TCX is, is a course to actually till the fields and cultivate the soil. So now you're growing the things that you want to grow when you want to grow them. And it's just a much more effective way to go about things. That's great. All right. Now, I want to hear about the innovation gap because... We pointed to it just a little bit earlier, and now we have a sense of the solution that you're helping companies solve the innovation gap. But what's the innovation gap really? Why do I need to really pay attention if I'm, a, if I'm an enterprise owner, a, a retailer, a, a large company? 
why do I need to deal with this breakdown? What is this breakdown all about? Well, as businesses and even as people, right, we plan typically very incremental trajectories. Oh, my business is going to be 15% bigger next year, or I'm going to be 2% more efficient. And well, we have to do some of those things, but it's just simply not all there is. Because when that's what we're shooting for, all of our actions are aligned around that. And it's, well, maybe we'll get there, maybe we won't, but it's very incremental. It's very linear in nature. Now, at the same time, exponential growth is actually all around us. It's not how we think. We think linearly, but exponential growth is possible. I mean, we see it probably most frequently in social media when you hear about things going viral. You see it in populations of underdeveloped countries. We see it in one of my favorite examples in technology. The pace of technology is moving faster and faster every year. It's why we've got private companies shooting rockets up into space now and autonomous vehicles on the street. So what's possible is exponential in nature. And there's a gap between those two lines. If you look at the linear trajectory that most of us are on, Maybe we don't like it, but we accept it. And the exponential growth that's actually possible, technologically and otherwise, the difference between those two lines is what we call the innovation gap. And the opportunity is to step into that gap for more, better, faster growth. Okay. Innovation gap. So what? So Right. Now, I like my linear, slow, methodical. Yeah. Pace. I mean, it's not as satisfying as it might be if some... Well, magic happened, but it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. And it's not bad. I, I think what you said is right. Like some people may like that and that's fine, but you have to acknowledge that the pace of change is accelerating. And we talked a little bit about this, right? So what's possible today is different than yesterday sometimes drastically different. And what starts to happen is all of a sudden, brand new things are possible that we're totally blind to, where other companies can basically eat our lunch in very, very short periods of time. You know, one of the other things that grows exponentially are startups oftentimes, right? Especially Amazon in the early days or Facebook in the early days, all of a sudden, it's everywhere. And it's everywhere so fast, it almost becomes a new normal. One of my favorite examples of that is Uber, I think about five or six years ago, hit this incredible milestone of a million users, million users total. And, you know, they celebrated, they popped the champagne and everything else. Today, they have something like 10 million riders per day. It's an insane number. (laughs) Right. And it's so much that you and I, and I think many of the listeners out there, just take it for granted that Uber's out there and Uber exists. And it's easy to forget that there was an entire industry, we used to call them taxis, (laughs) that existed. And they're still around, but almost overnight, because taxis and that industry wasn't stepping into the innovation gap, all of a sudden, they were entirely left behind. And that's the risk of the innovation gap. And it can happen to anybody as an individual. And it can certainly happen to big companies. And as we look for new possibilities and step ourselves into that gap, it, in a way, is the only way to future-proof our business. There's no technology. There's no tool that's going to do it. It's a continual climb on that mountain that doesn't have a top. 
But I do think we've got an incredible opportunity for people. We're in a tough place in society right now. There's a lot of political turmoil. There's a lot of feelings about that. There's still a lot of underdeveloped countries that need support. And from where I sit, especially, there are many technologies and tools that can solve some of those things. And as people, as society, and really most importantly for this conversation is individuals, right? All of us can take on how can we more effectively step into that innovation gap to create more change faster because it supports everybody and supports where we're going. That's great. Sterling Hawkins, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to speak with you today. John, it has been. Thank you for having me. My special thanks to our guest, Sterling Hawkins. In our show notes, you'll find links to connect with him and all the links to websites, books, or downloads mentioned in this podcast. The Influence Ecology Podcast is produced by Influence Ecology LLC in Ventura, California. This episode was recorded January 3rd, 2020, and was produced by Tyson Crandall and me, John Batterson. You can find a transcript for this and other episodes at influenceecology.com. This episode is made possible through the assistance of the Influence Ecology faculty, staff, mentors, and students around the world. Co-founder Kirkland Timmels and our colleagues comprise an international collective of professionals who are active in the development of the philosophy of transactionalism and the discipline of transactional competence. Kirkland is considered a leading philosopher and authority in the field and has authored more than 500 papers on the subject, study, and discipline. The podcast theme is by Chris Standring, entitled Fast Train to Everywhere. You can subscribe to the Influence Ecology Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, or via email at podcast at influenceecology.com. If you haven't yet offered a rating or review, I ask that you take a moment, go to iTunes or your podcast app, and let us know what you think. This helps us more than you know. 